We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This episode is sponsored by Schwann's.com. What are you having for dinner tonight? Hmm, good question. Schwann's Home Delivery has a solution for you. Stock up your freezer with high-quality frozen foods like premium meats and sides, delicious ready-made meals, ice cream, and more. No subscriptions, no memberships, just a friendly yellow truck that's been delivering food for almost 70 years. Listeners of this show get a special deal. Get 20% off your first order with code YUM20. Check out schwanns.com backslash yum for details. Crossing route, Gurley makes the catch 20. First down, he hurdles. Far side of the field, stays on his feet. Inside the 10, Todd Gurley making his case for MVP. He throws back shoulder. Higby reaches out and makes an incredible catch for a first down. Off his back foot, he throws to the end zone. Cooper Cup leaping to make the catch. Out of bounds. He has it for six. He's got a knee-high snap looking left. Now over the middle. He pump fakes. He rolls to his right with Connor Barwin pursuing. He knocks him down. The ball is thrown up in the air and batted away. Incomplete. The Rams defense clinches it. Goff will come on the field for victory formation. Rams sideline across the field from us erupts in celebration. And so the playoffs are coming back to L.A. This January at the Coliseum. We, not me, versus the NFC. And for the first time since 2003, the Rams are NFC West champions. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is managing editor Derek C. Apollo with the man, the myth, the legend, the train wreck of construction guy, Norm Hightower. Guys, it's schedule night. We're here for all the Rams glory. We're going to go through the schedule with you. We have more to talk about. We also also have an interview with NFL insider Benjamin Albright to present to you as well. A big night for us. Leading up to our next big night this Sunday night. But first, before we get into the conversation, I want to ask you to head over to iTunes. We're looking for that five-star review. If you think we've earned it, we'd really appreciate it. We'll enter you into a contest for a $50 gift certificate over to nflshop.com. It will also, of course, help us out. It helps us tremendously to be able to get the ratings we need to get uh, more exposure. And, and guys, by the way, when we're talking about this Sunday, it's our 100th episode. So we have, we're going to get a little sentimental later in the episode because it's meant a lot to us. But it means it does have some meaning as to why we're asking you to go, hey, go give us that review. Also, you can find us on Stitcher, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, I need to keep going here, right? Google Play. Google Play. Android. Oh, cannot forget. IEBeatRadio.com. Cannot forget them. Check us out. We're also we're on the air on Wednesdays. We're also on the air over the weekend, 10 a.m. Pacific time. Okay, here we go. That was a long, drawn-out shindig of a uh, mention there. Norm, you saw the schedule. We've both seen it. How do you feel about it? 
Oh, I think it's great that the Rams start off Monday night against Gruden and the Raiders. Uh, I think not only is it a battle of Los Angeles, so to speak, but it's also Gruden versus McVay. I, I think the NFL was very smart putting this game on and letting the Rams come out and show their stuff right off the bat. And I, I love it. And I think the, the first uh, six weeks of the schedule, you know, there's going to be some pretty good games in there. Uh, and the fact that the Rams got uh, five primetime games. I know we were talking about it pre-podcast that uh, a lot of people were complaining because they had heard it leaked that the 49ers were going to have five primetime games. Well, we have five primetime games as well. So I'm pretty stoked about it. It's a tough schedule, but it's a good schedule and really looking forward to it. When you really think about it, five primetime games when you've had one winning season since 2003, that's pretty freaking awesome. Well, I think that I think that the Rams made a statement last year, and I think the NFL noticed. I wouldn't just say last year. I think they made a statement in the offseason, too. I think oh, absolutely. Those, you know, when you start making that those kind of moves, you want to put those stars on TV. Sure. Okay, so – what we should do here is just go through it with you. The schedule from start to finish. We won't stay on anything too long because we're not here to bore you. But it's a pretty neat schedule. It starts on week one, September 10th, at the Oakland Raiders. Okay, they're still the Oakland Raiders. 7.20 p.m. start. So on the East Coast, which is where right now Norm and I are both stuck there. Uh, it's going to be a late night for us. We'll have a late night podcast. And, you know, oh gosh, late night for us. 7.20 Pacific time. Okay, week two, at home, Arizona Cardinals at the Coliseum, 1.05 p.m. PT. Week three, this is the big one, the battle for L.A., the Chargers, the Chargers. September 23rd again, the Chargers, 1.05 p.m. I can't look to see how few Chargers fans show up for that one. Want to go take a guess on a high or low there? No. No? You know, they're going to try. All right, here's, the, here's another big one, folks. Week four, September 27th, Thursday night football. This is during school, folks. Can't believe they're going to do a Thursday night game during school, during USC, during USC school year. The Minnesota Vikings come into town, 5.20 p.m. start, Thursday night football. There's a second primetime game in the first four weeks of the season. Then the Rams had a road trip. The road trip. Seattle on October 7th, 1.25 p.m. start. I think that's usually a, a 1.25 p.m. is usually a game of the week material, isn't it? Yeah, and it's nice to see at Seattle in week five and not week 17. No kidding. You're getting That was getting old. Yep. It was getting really old late in the year. October 14th at the Denver Broncos, 1.05 p.m. Pacific time at mile high. October 21st. At the 49ers, Sunday night football, Levi Stadium, 5.20 p.m. start. That's our third primetime game the first seven weeks of the year. Week 8, October 28th, the Green Bay Packers at home, 125 Memorial Coliseum. Again, at 125 usually means national game. The next week, at the Saints, at the New Orleans Saints, uh, Sunday, November 4th, 125 start at Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Week 10, here we go again. The Seahawks, November 11th at the Coliseum, 125 start. Again, that 125 start usually means prime time. Not prime time, sorry, national TV game. Week 11, now we've been working on Norm for this one. Norm, come on, I get your Spanish going for this. Not going to happen on a Monday night, dude. <laughs> oh, come on, we got to make the magic happen. Trying to get, trying to convince him to go, no, Monday, November nineteenth, against the Chiefs in Mexico City at the fabled Estadio Azteca, five fifteen Pacific time start. Then the bye week, and this is the bye week is concerning. We'll talk about that. It's week twelve. Then the schedule lightens up a little bit for the next two weeks. Not a lot, but a little bit. Week thirteen, December second, at the Detroit Lions, Ford Field, ten a.m. Pacific time. Week 14, December 9th, at the Chicago Bears, Soldier Field, 10 a.m. Pacific time. And here we go. Week 15, December 16th, 
home against the Philadelphia Eagles. 5.20 p.m. There's our fifth. Again, there's our fifth primetime game. Week 16 at the Arizona Cardinals, University of Phoenix, a 105. That's on December 23rd. And just like last year, week 17, December 30th, at home against the 49ers, 125 Pacific time start. All right, so there you go. There's the whole schedule. It's a pretty good one. It's a very interesting one. Mostly good. One small drawback I want to talk about, but it it might mean nothing. How do you feel about it? Well, I think it's a, a great schedule, and the Rams are going to have to go out and prove that they're the contender that everybody believes that they are, or at least most people do. And I think right off the bat in week four, playing the Vikings, that's going to be a, you know, that's going to be the first test. And it's at home, which <laughs> the Rams didn't play as well as home at home last year as we would have liked. But playing the Vikings, you know, week four, I think is a great time to do it, to have a game like that because it's a measuring stick. And the first four weeks, you know, you're, you're, you should be starting to, to get your momentum going, to get your comfort level going, to really start seeing what kind of team you're going to be. And when you play the Vikings with uh, Kirk Cousins now, which should be a better team, if we can beat them at home, I think that makes a statement not only to the fans but to the league that, you know, the Rams are every bit as good as we all think they are. And then – you know, 49ers at San Francisco will be another measuring stick. Packers at home. Always great to, to watch the Packers play just because of the history. My son's a Packers fan, so that'll be a fun game for him and I. We'll probably be jazzing each other on, on our texts. At the Saints is going to be a tough game. Again, another measuring stick. The Mexico City game against the Chiefs, another tough game. And prime time, big time measuring stick. And then, of course, like you said, Super Bowl champs on December 16th, my sister's birthday. So that's going to bring some good luck for me and, uh, you know, end it against the 49ers again. So I, I really think it's a great schedule. I like the fact that the bye week is later in the year. That might be what your drawback is. But I think if if the Rams are on playoff playoff mode, looking at, you know, making the playoffs, doing well at that point, week 12 is a good time to have a bye, get some guys healthy so you can close out the season strong. You know, that's weird because I kind of think of it a little bit differently. I see the fact that the bye is so late. What if this team really is banged up? Wouldn't a bye week in many cases be better earlier in the year, try and get some people healed up for, the, for that stretch run? And to me, week 12 is really late. You're going to go through a gauntlet, basically. That first, what, 11 weeks, you're going to go through the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Chargers, Vikings, Seahawks, the 49ers, the Seahawks again, Packers, Saints, Chiefs. Those, those, those are a lot of tough games, that first 11 game. There's a lot of physical teams in that stretch. I'm I'm just concerned that this team will be beat up. I know they've been pretty healthy the last two years, but you know I'm not the guy who's forgotten about a string of really, really injury-plagued years that came before that. And so, you know, like you said, I don't think there's a wrong answer. I don't think you're wrong. I don't think I'm wrong. It's just a different point of view. I don't see it as this, you know, this worthy debate. I hope I'm, I'm hope my concerns are not valid. I hope that the Rams stay healthy and Week Twelve is a, a great time just to, you know, get some, so just some normal wear and tear tear here. Excuse me, some tear healed up. Well, I, I'll put it to you this way: you talk about Andrew Wetworth and John Sullivan needing more rest later in the season, that's going to help. Not only that, their bye week is after their trip to Mexico. So they would have had a short week that week and had to travel from, from Mexico. So they don't have to worry about that now. They can still travel, but they've got the next week off. And so I think it's the perfect time, according to this schedule, to have a bye. You know, if you're going to have to travel out of country to play, having a bye week the next week, you would have had a shortened week playing Monday night football and had to have traveled back from Mexico city. So really, I think it's the perfect time in the schedule to have the buy. And I'm totally fine with that point of view. Again, I'm, I'm not even remotely saying wrong. Just that concern in the back of my mind. Me personally, I would have rather seen it probably after week eight or after week nine, just a couple weeks earlier, just in between the saints and Seahawks game, 
or in between the Packers and Saints game, I would have liked to have seen a little rest for them. They're going to be coming off a three-game road trip and four out of five games on the road. So it's just a thought. I don't – it's not worth, you know, crying about either. Not on this kind of schedule. Five primetime games, great matchups. Just thinking about it, though, you were mentioning before we really went on the air, you think the Rams are going to win five out of the first six. I could see him doing it. I'm not. I'm not there yet. I, we're going to have to go post draft to make predictions. But you know, looking at how they played last year and how the teams that they're facing uh, in the first six weeks, I really think that they could go five and six or even six and six. That Vikings game is going to really. You mean tell. five, four, six, or five? Oh, yeah, yeah, six of six, yeah. winning six of six. So I think the Vikings game is the only real worry. I mean, you never know about the Seahawks, but they're obviously not the same team that they were. The Cardinals with Sam Bradford now will be interesting. The Raiders with Gruden will be interesting. So there are some games. It, we're really going to have to look at the overall team once you know the draft is over and for, you know the the undrafted free agents and and all that kind of stuff and the injuries that happen who for for whoever, but. At this point right now, I could see him starting off five of six or six of six. And uh, then they've got a little gauntlet there with the the Niners at home, the Packers and the Saints, and then the Chiefs. They're also tough. So, I mean, it's not an easy schedule, but I really I really like how it's laid out. This is the, the best schedule I've seen the Rams have in quite a long time. Well, usually we're complaining because, I mean, they usually – get bent over pretty bad when it comes to schedule time. I mean, how many times have we seen them get laid, you know, laid up with Seattle week 17 or week 16? Yeah. Over and over. And it's not even at home. They're always on the road in Seattle. It's been garbage for a long time. And to see a schedule that's favorable to them in a lot of ways, it's balanced. It's, I'll go for that. I'll go for that. Yeah, the last three weeks of the season, their only away game is Arizona. So, you know, that's not a very long trip. So it's it's nice if if the Rams are playoff bound, which I'm going to believe that they will be. That they will be, you know, having having three of you know your last three games be relatively close to home or at home uh, is a good thing. And then of course, you know, we're playing Super Bowl champs in one of those games, and I'm looking really forward to that rematch. And I'm hoping that we crush the Niners as, you know, like like we all hope that that'll happen. But, no, it's a, it's a really great schedule. I, I'm really happy with it. It's the first time in a long time I can say that. I think the ideal start would be 3-0 heading that Vikings game. For the last, say, year and change, Rams fans out there in L.A. have taken a lot of heat, you know, for not showing up for games or selling their tickets well, we were out against you know the 49er game at the end of the year. A lot of 49er fans there. It's understandable because the Rams are playing third stringers, but it's that narrative that over, you know, it goes. It's, it's apparently only LA is held to the standard where LA has to be the best at everything, or else they get criticized for it in terms of you know fan behavior. But I think it sets up real well if the Rams enter that Week Four game with the Vikings at three and zero. I don't see many Rams fans selling their tickets that week. Do you? No, and and I'm I'm going to call them out too and say, look, week one Monday nighter at Oakland, go to that game. Let's get some Rams fans there and make the Raider black and silver be more blue and gold. Any chance you can make it? Uh, no. It's at you know the East Coast West Coast swing. Oh, just a teacher for me. That'll be tough, but you know, maybe we can get Johnny up there. Yeah, I'm hoping we can get Mr. Gomez to go, and maybe a few others. That time of the year, uh, I'll be at the end of my bass fishing tournament season, so I'll be I'll be home fishing at that time. It's about getting Johnny up there. Maybe maybe uh, Skyrim up there. Maybe well, yeah. a couple of those guys will be there. I'm sure we have to have Rams talk representation there. Then, of course, we're going to have folks out there for the Cardinals game, the Chargers game, the Vikings game. Uh, you know, that's going to be really great to have. We'll be at, looking at this, we'll be either the Lions or Bears game. 
Yeah, and we're going to try to, uh, at least the le- least last time I heard, we're going to try to have uh, a live podcast at one of the home games this year, and that would be great, you know, to have the fans show up for that. It's, yeah, it just depends on uh, who's available right now is Johnny, and uh, got to get him a, a partner out there, really. We've had a couple folk, a couple fans have really, not just fans, fan groups have volunteered their tailgate tents to us to be able to podcast from there. It's pretty neat stuff. Overall, the schedule, though, is it, I mean, we, we just just to clarify, just to set this in stone, where do you rate this, uh, grade it from A to F? A being top of the line schedule, F being a total failure, which we, we know it's not, but let's go ahead and lay that out there. How do you grade the schedule? Oh, I'd go B plus, A minus, for B, sure. B plus, A minus. I'm going to go with the A minus. There aren't a whole lot of negatives. I think, that, you know, we have a slight, I don't know if it's disagreement, just different point of view on the bye weeks. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm a fan of three-game road trips or four out of five games in the road. Or I'm not sure how I feel about that. We also have three games at home in a row. But not too shabby at all. Not too shabby. The gauntlet's tough, but great games, five primetime games. I'm going to go A-. minus. A-. minus. Well, at least the three road trips in a row are Seattle, Denver, and San Francisco. So it's not long road trips. No, they're not, no. Yeah, in the Denver game, I think people forget it's not too far removed that Denver was in a Super Bowl. They still have some key players there. They, they're a tough physical team. That stretch here between weeks three and all the way down to week 11. Week two to week 11, that's a lot of physical football in there. So let's, let's hope the Rams can get through healthy. Let's hope they can uh, be uh, in solid position at that point. And we'll be talking hopefully this time next year We'll be talking about the Rams picking number 32 in the draft. You never know. Maybe. Fingers crossed. Well, and maybe, you know, Case Keenum could be starting against us for the Broncos. And, you know, I think think he quite enjoyed his last start against us. So We didn't. I know. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't. But I almost almost forgot about that. But, you know, that that Viking offensive line is certainly quite a bit better than the Denver offensive line is right now. So, Sure. Let's see. All right. We have a interview with Benjamin Albright. When I get to it, before we do, when I ask you to, you know, check out our sponsor, the Gold Ram Barbershop, owned by Sal Martinez, out there at one three seven five five Golden West Street in Westminster, California, nine two six eight three. Give them a call seven one four eight nine four seven two six seven. Use the promo code Rams Talk to get a little bit off your uh, your already affordable haircut. Go in there. Check out this man's shrine to Rams football. A great place for the old school barbershop experience. He's got everything there from helmets to jerseys to, geez, memorabilia of like, you know, posters, old programs. What else he had there? He had everything. Yeah, there's a little I mean, bit of everything there. It's a great place. And we, we both been there, had our hair cut by the amazing Sal Martinez. Great place. Great football conversation, not just for Rams fans, but for everybody overall. Again, give me a call at 714-894-7267. Hours of operation, Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. Saturday, 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. Closed on Sundays, especially for football season. That's not happening, folks. He's out there watching the Rams. One more time, 714-894-7267. Okay, so folks, we want to give you a heads up. Let's talk about our let's talk about sponsorship opportunities as well because uh, I've been getting a few calls here lately about some new sponsors and you know that's a great thing for us and we really appreciate the support and it helps us keep the lights on and and to be able to keep doing what we're doing here and bring on more staff and and do all that great stuff and we're starting to get some phone calls for sponsorship which is great keep them coming and you know hopefully we can line up some good sponsors and not uh, not have to start turning people away because it's starting to look pretty good. Our, our podcast is picking up on, on listeners and, you know, with IE beat radio now and, you know, thank you for the support. And if you are interested in sponsoring us, either reach out to us at ramstalk1945 at gmail.com or call us at our number, Derek. 657-666-5453. You can leave a voicemail there. Um, also again, the email address as well, hey, if you if you really can't find either one, give me on Twitter for crying out loud. We'll we'll get you going. 
Uh, one more thing about that. He's he's talking about the podcast numbers, folks. We really, we really, as we head towards that 100 episode, that's a big one this Sunday, and we're going to kind of tease that a little bit today. I want you all to know, I did the math this week, but look at our numbers. Since, the, since we started this year in September, our listenership, our audience has grown by 3,000%. 3,000%, and that's not including IE Beat Radio. So, folks... Hey, that's that's one... We had one listener, and now we're at 3,000? All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's it's pretty... Um, the rate, it, it's it's pretty freaking fantabulous. So, um, thank you. Well, thank Yeah, thank you very much. Um, it tells us a lot that you believe that what we're doing, and that hopefully you believe we do a good job, so... Again, sponsors. Our numbers are looking great. Give us an email. We'd be happy to have. We'll be happy to work with you and, and partner to to uh, do great things. Okay, so Benjamin Albright, NFL insider. He's been pretty much everywhere. Okay, he's a quarterback guru. So we'll talk a little bit of Southern California quarterbacks in this interview. He'll talk a bit about the Rams and, and the impact they made in the off season. Folks, I have to give you a warning. I I, do, I need to be fair here. Okay. The, the call we had with him had some had some glitches here and there, so there's going to be a little fuzzy at times. Overall, though, I didn't want you to miss out on the interview. We weren't able to set up a new time with him, so it is what it is. If you listen closely, maybe turn the volume up a little bit. He, he speaks a little low. It's a little fuzzy, but I need to give you that disclosure. It's well worth the listen, especially if you are out there in Southern California. You like Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold. Also, he's quite critical of a certain Josh Allen, so... It's well worth the listen. Talks about the Rams and what it, the value of receiving, having that connection with a quarterback to receiver, and how he felt about Jared Goff. So, without further ado, let's send you over to our interview with Benjamin Albright. All right, we're with Benjamin Albright, NFL Draft Insider, also on AM thirteen forty and one hundred four point seven FM in Denver. Quarterback guru as well, Benjamin. Thanks for coming on the show today. How are you? I'm doing all right. How are you? Joyful, peachy. <laughs> Waiting for a draft <laughs> right away uh, before I even get into Ram stuff because I, I, there are a couple of things I wanted to ask you. But I saw all your tweets concerning the Rams and OBJ and all that stuff, and it was kind of funny watching you, you know, basically dunking on somebody. We're also an audience where in LA we have two quarterbacks, and you're the quarterback guru here, who are expected to go here in the first round very early: uh, Josh Rosen and Sam Darnold. How do you view these guys in the draft? Well, um, you know, I think with anything, it uh, you know it comes down to situation to fit. Um, in an all things being equal type scenario, uh, you know, I've kind of likened Sam Donald a bit to Tony Romo uh, in terms of what he brings to the table and what he does, how he plays the game, uh, how he approaches the game, um, and, and I've kind of likened uh, you know Josh Rosen a little more to Mark Sanchez. I know that'll that'll draw some. Uh, some ire from people because, you know, they, uh, Sanchez's career was not exactly a stellar one. But uh, in terms of who he is on the field as a player, uh, they're fairly similar. Uh, you know, guys were you know, fairly smart guys, but, uh, you know, they, they struggle to win things. Um, you know, they, they, their velocity is right at the midline. Uh, they, they do throw turnovers at times and trust their arm and on throws they shouldn't. So, um, you know, I think uh, I, I don't think that his career arc is necessarily the same as, as Mark Sanchez. I just think he approaches uh, the game from an on-field perspective similarly. Of course, you're right. Our audience is going to be like, "Well, wait, he just said Mark Sanchez. Wait a minute here." Uh, you mentioned seeing here that Rosen could fall in the draft, and you even said, "You know, I just saw today on Twitter you were mentioning you said to somebody, hey, that he's not going first." I'll bet you a thousand dollars he's not going first. Where do you see him going? Well, you know, it really is kind of the question. Um, that that second pick in this draft is really kind of a linchpin for a lot of things. Um, whether the Giants trade out of it or select a non-quarterback or select a quarterback, Rosen uh, picked his highest too. Um, you know, just I, I what I what I did was is I had polled uh, some lead contacts and asked them which one they thought was most likely to fall of the four. Uh, and they said Josh Rosen. That story kind of got a little spun up into something that it wasn't uh, saying that he was falling and all that kind of stuff, which is not exactly true. Um, you know, we, we don't know where he's going to go. But they they seem to think they're on the four. You know, 
surprise move up, um, say at six with the Colts, or maybe five with the Broncos going. Um, if all the other quarterbacks are taken, but you know he could fall way down to Miami. Now the Rams being in in the NFC West, would he appeal to say the Arizona Cardinals? Well, the Cardinals have Josh Allen as the number one quarterback on their board. Uh, they would have taken him uh, in the first round if he had come out last year. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know he. I think improving their situation appeals to them, but they are very, uh, very locked in on Josh Allen if they can get him. I don't know if they can, but that's uh, uh, that's their favorite. Uh, as for Sam Darnold, he was on fire for most of this year. You mentioned some of the mistakes he makes. The Ohio State game in particular, he looked, well, awful. Did that game affect how scouts look at him, or did they just see it as one game overall? Well, I mean, it's just one piece of a puzzle, you know. Uh, we generally don't uh, don't look at a completed puzzle and you know and pick out one piece and make a decision on whether the puzzle was uh, you know good or not based on that one piece. And that's all all something that ties together. So um, as he had poor performances at times, yes. As he had great performances at times, yes. You kind of take all that. That's your DNA. You know, you say, okay, how much of this translates? How much of this is uh, improvement going forward? How much of this is you know, bad luck or things that he learned from, and, and you know, you kind of go from there. That was a tough one to watch. I just, I, um, watching him in that game made me really wonder where he was going to be, you know, where, because I've questioned Sam Darnold all along. I wonder where he was going to go. Um, I wondered if it was even smart to come out this year. And then seeing his performance in that game, it really kind of validified my view on how I felt about him. So I was very curious as to, as to where you stood. But there's another guy out there too, Josh Allen. You just mentioned him. Uh, I've seen so many different conflicting views on him. How do you view him overall? Well, I'm pulling for the kid um, on a professional level. I don't think he has any business playing football at the professional level, and maybe not even at the Mountain West level. Um, you know, he was like the eighth best quarterback uh, in the Mountain West this past year. Uh, he struggles with accuracy and ball placement. There have been it's, it's weird how he has this cult that defends him, and they use every excuse in the book. Uh, to do so, citing uh, completion percentages from the early 1980s with John Elway back when five formation football was a vogue, or uh, claiming that the weather in Wyoming had uh, uh, affected him, which is preposterous. I mean, I was at those games because I had one or two games that were weather games. You know, his receivers let him down, his, and of the big four, he had the fewest uh, drop passes. Um, it's just, it's, it's weird, the myth. Uh, that surrounds him because people see a big body with a big arm uh, and they think that they can shoehorn in everything else around that. And, you know, they tried to point out the other day, Bruce Arian said in his book that the, the two things least likely uh, to improve by a quarterback once they get to the pro game are accuracy and anticipation, which are the two most vital traits for a quarterback if the two that Allen uh, lacks the most. So, uh, you know, I think he's a bright kid. I think he's uh, you know, he's a good guy, and I'm, I'm, I'm pulling for him. He's got the uh, long ahead of him. It would be um, uh, a shock to me if he were a successful long-term quarterback in the NFL. So who does it remind you of, of past quarterbacks who have gotten to the NFL? Uh, you know, Jake Locker, Kyle Bowler, um, you know, guys like that, big arm guys, big body that struggle with accuracy, never won anything. I was wondering how you, I was, the person that came to mind actually was Ryan Leaf, but Ryan Leaf had different issues as well. <laughs> so. Yeah, Ryan was a totally different quarterback. Ryan was on the cusp of uh, the, the you know the burgeoning air raid movement, so he had kind of padded stats that I guess people didn't really kind of realize, quote unquote. Uh, and then he had personal, you know, some personal yeah. things. I think not really related to us. Uh, you know, doesn't really have those at all. His his situations is more uh, one where he just you know. <laughs> Uh, he has everything but the ability to play quarterback, if that makes sense. Now, those are strong words, too. Now, you, you, your top guy, though, your number one overall quarterback, as I understand, is, is Baker Mayfield, right? Yeah. I look at Baker, I see, you know, second time with guys like uh, Fritz Gannon or, or early Shake or early Drew Brees. I was lucky enough to see Brees in college, and then people forget who he was in college and where he came from. Um, and Baker's kind of that guy. Um, I'll, I'll tell you that the fan um, umbrage 
this is quote unquote immaturity is something that TV doesn't certainly share. Fans of media are all about it. The league guys are they don't care if he's grabbing his junk and shaking at the sideline and it's that's that, that's what happens every game. They don't care about that. Um you know, I, I think that what Vicker does well is uh, are the things that the modern game has evolved towards. Um you know, passing in the modern NFL is done between the five and twenty yard mark. Um, you know, the bulk of passing in the league is and in, in the eighty percent range. Uh, so if you're not accurate and able to deliver the ball with anticipation and process the field quickly enough to do so, uh, in that range, it doesn't matter if you the ball a mile, it matters if you get it to the target. And so um, I would say that Baker is the probably the best quarterback that does that in this class. Well, I don't I've I've kind of felt like that's you mentioned the league guys and how his, his maturity and things he's doing on the sidelines. So I'm just thinking, aren't there worse thing he, things he could be doing? He could be out there, you know, ah, geez, smoking up, getting high, drinking, partying. He's not really known for that as much, is he? Not really. Uh, of course, there is the arrest in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, you know, as far as that goes, he had uh, he was publicly intoxicated. He kind of attempted to run and got tackled. But, um, you know, the, the last quarterback to have that happen, uh, to be arrested for public attacks and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, Dak Prescott had that. Uh, we don't see Dak the same way necessarily. So I, I think that uh, anytime it's a one-off issue, um, you know, I'm kind of willing to let it ride as to full indiscretion and making a mistake. If it was a repeat pattern like it was with Chinese Nantel, that would be a little different. Okay, on to the Rams. You were one of the people who came out quickly and debunked the OBJ rumors. What really happened there? Was it really just the Rams checked and weren't interested, or was was there more to it than that? Well, the Rams were interested in making phone calls, but it was never as serious as it was portrayed in media, and that's the you trying to draw it for clicks. You know, you got to remember that a lot of these guys are trying to saliciously headline something or these leading language and attempt to make it sound more serious, which will continue to read their articles. Uh, but I made the inquiry. Uh, I made a good faith inquiry. It wasn't, you know, it's one of those you know, passive inquiries, but uh, the price tag was way too high, and, um, you know, that wasn't uh, a route they were willing to go. Ultimately, they settled on Brandon Cooks, that deal. Um, I think if you look at, uh, you know, what the Rams are trying to do, they tried to be a more proactive team uh, on things. They've learned by uh, watching the rules and several other teams that knowing the price tag on everything out there is the smart moves. So if you ever need to make a move, you can. Uh, so I think they made the smart move, and, and calling and inquiring and seeing what it was going to be. It was never super serious. Well, how did the league, re- I mean, we you hear little things here and there from the media, and you, and you just made a great point about the media. Things kind of leaking through on the Twitter. How did the league respond or react to the moves the Rams made this year? Well, I think everybody around there has been, you know, mostly positive. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of big names added. Uh, there are questions about, uh, whether those personalities and those larger-than-life personalities can coexist. Uh, but I would suggest that uh, Rams defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, has been in the league a long time. He dealt with some of those personalities, some of them specifically those personalities before, but those types of personalities before, uh, those types of situations. I think it's a good job of communicating that stuff. Uh, my, my main concern would be, um, given that most of those personalities are on the defensive side of the football, uh, if the Rams' offense struggles or starts to struggle at any point during the season. Um, how loud or vociferous that locker room is the defensive side of the football, uh, as we saw in Denver uh, at times with one of those personalities. So um, that, that would be my concern. But overall, the pieces that they brought in you know, are incredible talents. Even for a guy like Khalid, who uh, lost a step or two over the last couple of years, is still a you know, like top-15 corner in the league. Well, you know... Phillips very well, and you also know Akita Lee very well, kind of being out there in Denver and all. What do they bring to the table as a team, you know, that working together? And what did you see last year from the Rams' defense that you knew they were going to try and change in this upcoming season? Well, um, you know, they wanted to get better at the, you know, at the inside linebacker position. They wanted to do, you know, we like to mix things up. He doesn't want to be predictable. He doesn't like the quarterback to know where the pressure is coming from. And it's a hybrid scheme that he uses that a lot of people call it 34, but it's really not a 34. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really more of a, a 43, uh, one-gap 43 approach uh, that they use. Um, so I, I 
think that uh, uh, with the potential that's standing up, I think that what they want to do is they just want to be able to vary the pressure. They want better corner to corner play on the outside. They want to be able to go past man. You're playing away from um, you're going to be on an island a lot. Uh, and so they want guys that could do that. They want guys, uh, and they managed to get two guys, I think they're very good at doing that, at Tlaib and, and Marcus Peters. I'm not saying Tremaine wasn't good at that, but, um, you know, the price tag that it was going to cost to keep him relative to what they could get out of the other guys just made that a more lucrative idea. Within Denver there with, with Phillips, how long did him really, how long did it really take him to make that defense what he wanted to be? Oh, it was an overnight turnaround. I mean, it took six or seven games for them to really gel, uh, but it was a night and day turnaround from uh, from the moment he got there. We're sitting here watching this Rams defense. Now, the Rams have been 4-3 for forever. Straight 4-3. None, none of the modifications, not the one gap. The So, the movement there we saw last year, especially the weaknesses in the linebacking core, uh, were very, very easy to spot, very exposed. In this draft, do you see them – where do you see them going? They have an offensive line that's getting ready here to pretty much all roll over next year, lots of free agents, but there's a definite need for linebackers on that roster, and they start picking the third round this year. Where do they go? Yeah, I would suggest that linebackers there, they'll look at an offensive line that you mentioned. Uh, I think those are the primary areas of concern. I think if you're looking in terms of windows and you're, you know, win now versus uh, – you know, stockpiling for the future. Uh, I think both those areas are areas of need in, in both those windows. So um, I, I, I would suggest those be the areas that will go. Uh, you've got to make sure that, uh, you know, your franchise quarterback is protected. You also need to make sure that you're able to get the linebackers that are able to cover and get downhill if they need to. So uh, I think that uh, I think you'll see, see a little bit of that um, in the coming draft. Now, how did you feel about Jared Goff coming out of college? I, you know, I wasn't a the biggest golf fan um, when he was coming out, um, and I still there are still issues that I see you know with him. A lot of that was um, mitigated by the fact that they had an innovative offense at the resurgence of uh, Gurley after they fixed the offensive line. Uh, you know, that's many issues with his with his processing of the field and, and uh, uh, his accuracy at times uh, in the mid game. But um, you know, it looks it certainly exceeded my expectations last year. Uh, you know. He will continue to build on that. Well, what do you expect me? You said you had some reservations. You still seeing them? See them now? Where do you see the need to really improve moving forward in his career to really become worthy of that high first round pick? Well, I think that based on last year, you know, your investment more or less is going to go worth it. Uh, he certainly flopped. You know, if it's a quarterback play, you're, you're going to be a contender. So, um, you know, where the area needs to prove? Uh, I mean, you know, I think he needs to uh, do a better job of, of playing within himself, process the field at times. Uh, you know, he can get a bit frenetic uh, in his read to kind of get that. Uh, I need to do this with the football thing instead of, um, you know, just kind of reading, trusting his read, and letting what happens. So, um, you know, I, I, like I said, he exceeded my expectation already. So, um, anything from here forward would just be great. Now, one of the things he did seem to have an issue with was building a rapport with Sammy Watkins. Uh, what it, can, what can you tell me about the importance of building those rapports with receivers between, you know, and quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks coming into the draft? Well, I mean, you got to have that. You got to have that timing, that anticipation, and that's what they're working on. You know, as a quarterback, you have kind of your natural accuracy, anticipation, and you have your built, uh, you know, anticipation, and that's the synergy with uh, uh, with your receiving core. So, uh, for whatever reason, he did not get on that page with Sammy Watkins, but he did with some of the other guys, whether it was Woods or Cup. Um, and that's that's just what you do. You find guys that are on the same page, and you make it work. And the guys that aren't, well, you, you turn them around and ship them off. All right, we're almost done here, I promise. A couple more questions for you. One of the questions I really want to know just from you, what what major surprise can you foresee in this first round of the draft this year? The major surprise in the first round of the draft? Uh, I think, uh, uh, you know, Harold Landry may go a little earlier than people expect. Marcus Davenport probably earlier than people expect. Uh, Denzel Ward, Roquan Smith, go earlier than people expect. Orlando Browns can fall out later than people think. Um, you know, those kinds of things. And which team do you believe is the one to watch right now in this draft? Uh, the obvious answer is you know, Cleveland right there at the top with the one-four pick. But, um, you 
I'd say Buffalo, if they decide to be aggressive, uh, you know, could be one to watch. Arizona, if they uh, decide to be aggressive and go get their guy, uh, you don't have as much ammo, you know, to do so. It's just maybe a little And keep an eye on New England. Um, you know, always kind of a wild card there. They get the ability to move up a little bit. Um, they have some interest in some of the quarterbacks. So, um, you know, they could be, uh, they could be one to really drive. All right. Well, hey, Benjamin, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Just kind of giving us the, the lowdown, what's been going on. And real quick, folks, uh, you can you can follow him on Twitter Albright, at Albright NFL. Also, again, he's on AM 1340, 104.7 in Denver. Anything else we should know about you before people can follow you? No, yeah, I think they're good. It's, uh, <laughs> that covers it. All right, well, just just so you know, just before you sign off here, we do want to let you know the re- reason why we reach out to you is because we know you'll lay it out like it is. Um, it's kind of fun actually watching you hammer people on Twitter sometimes. I, got, I just got to say it. It's, it's pretty hilarious. So <laughs> we, we, we hope to have you back on again. Hopefully we can get you uh, with Norm as well. Norm would love to talk to you. Absolutely. All right, thanks again. Have a great day. All right, I'll take care. Okay. All right, so that was Benjamin Albright, NFL Insider. Make sure you give him a – he's a really funny follow on Twitter. A lot of – for whatever, he's got a little bit of an edge to him. And a lot of people don't like him. He'll call out stupidity on there, and it's really kind of fun to watch. He'll, you know, he's actually very dependable. Almost always will have news before somebody else has it. So well worth the follow. Check him out at Albright NFL on Twitter. Okay, so moving on. This weekend, for our 100th episode, we have two great guests. I'm going to tell you one right now. It's Eric Galko from Optimum Scouting. He has a great scouting service. He's been a, a lot of research on the draft. He's come on and talk with us about what the Rams are going to do, what are great fits, so on and so forth. And then and then we have a very special, long-sought-after guest that, that uh, well, I'll let Norm describe him for you. Well, <clears throat> growing up, he was my hero. He was a staple for the Rams in L.A. He wears a gold jacket. He's a Hall of Famer. And very hard to get an interview with, but what a great guy. And if you saw Derek and I at the 49ers game, the last game of the season before the playoffs last year in L.A., I was wearing his jersey. So if you if you saw us and you can remember, that'll tell you who it is. But... Uh, this is a this is a great interview, and it was a real honor for me to be able to do it. And if if you if you've missed an episode of ours so far this year, don't miss this one. Don't miss this one. We rarely go over an hour on our podcast. We try to keep you here briefly. We'll be over an hour on that one. We have a lot of good stuff for you. Okay, before we sign off tonight, we kind of do want to go over some draft stuff. Maybe focus a little bit on the edge rushers a little bit before we head on out. We, we've been spending the week really digging deep. One of the things I saw with, with the edge rushers, linebackers, is I'm not so happy with depth in this draft. I'm not sure how you feel about it. Yeah, I mean, there's some really great linebackers in the beginning of the draft, and there's some there's not, there's not a lot of second and third round talent. I mean, there, there are some, and I, I believe there are some, but... In, in the gradings of everybody else, there's not a whole lot there in the second and third round. So in my opinion, the Rams are either going to move up a little bit and try to get somebody earlier in that second or early third round if somebody drops a little bit, or they're going to stand pat and take a few guys that uh, I've been really looking at. Well, who have you been looking at? Well, I always mess up this guy's name, but he did visit the Rams, which uh, pretty much makes me think that they're very seriously looking at him. And that's Ogobania Okoronkwo, if I said that right, uh, from Oklahoma. I think he would be a good compliment on the outside. I think Ibukam and Okoronkwo and <laughs> would be a good compliment. Uh, and this is by no means, I, I don't want to word this wrong, but it's not a feel sorry moment or anything like that. Uh, Shaquem Griffin, the guy's a stud. I don't care if he has one hand or, or no hands. The guy plays football. And, uh, 
he can play inside or outside. Obviously, he's fast. You put him and Mark Barron. If if they do keep Mark Barron in the same, in you know, in the same defensive backfield, look out because those guys can chase down anybody. So I really, I really think the odds are good that they could get Shaquem Griffin probably in the fourth round. So those two guys I'm looking really hard at. There's a couple other guys that that may fall a little bit, and if that happens, they might look at them. I know that you were talking about Sam Hubbard from Ohio State. That's if he drops, and you know he's that would be he kind of fits because remember the the system that Ohio State plays has a lot of similarities to what the pros play, especially when this modified four three one gap it kind of goes into a three four. That's what Wade Phillips runs, so he's a fit there. The only problem with Hubbard is that he kind of disappears from time to time. That's why he's not rated higher. He could be great one game. He can be great in one quarter, and the next minute he's gone. So it kind of differs. He's a fit on the edge as a 4-3 defensive end or the 3-4 outside linebacker, but he doesn't have some of the speed you'd want really early in the draft. So he, if he happens to fall, and I'm, I'm not sure that he will, he could be a guy you go look at. Well, we were talking about Josie Jewell, linebacker from Iowa. Uh, smart player, a little undersized, not quite as quick and agile as you'd like, but he's definitely a talent. He may drop, you know, late in the third, and that may be an opportunity as well. I think if the Rams stand pat, though, and don't move up, I think Okoronkwo is probably who I would, if I were to do a mock draft right now, I'd say that's who they're going to go after. Um, there, there's there's some interesting prospects in the later rounds. I, I, I don't want to go into them too much right now. I, I think we should do uh, talk about that during the draft. But uh, th- those would be my top picks right now, Shaquem Griffin and, and Okoronkwo. Well, just to go over a couple of little things, ok- Okoronkwo, um, his sky report over at NFL.com is really interesting. Lance Ziggerland, who uh, wrote his, aunt, his, wrote him up pretty good, rounds four to five. He's viewed as a guy who can eventually develop into potentially a starter, not immediately. He does have some issues that, that concern uh, Zierlein, at least in his view. Uh, he's tight-hipped. He's a face-up rusher. He um, His first rush step is a false step, according to Zierlein. So there are several issues. More violent than skill with hands. I, we want guys who can, who can play with their hands. I, I like him overall in terms of his pedigree. The guy produces. I just wonder, given the Rams need at linebacker, how soon would he be ready to step in? I wonder that. Well, and my point to that is, is if we don't move up, where we're going to be drafting, there's there may not be a whole lot of choices left, and I think he's one of the better choices at that at that time of the round. Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, Griffin. Griffin's Griffin to me, I think that he's been viewed with. To me, he's. I don't think when people talk about Shaq Griffin, they talk about, wow, this great guy, look what he's done. He's got one hand. He's kind of your, you know, like you mentioned, the kind of a fan favorite, but he's cheering for him. You, you know, and also, like you say, he plays the game, but he's also got a, a pedigree. His brother, don't forget, his brother's in the NFL. He's not, he's, it's not like he just didn't, came from a nobody family and so on and so forth. These guys play football and they play it well. He's expected to go rounds four to five, could go as early as three, but rounds four to five. He's got all the things you really want except for, well, one hand. If, you, if you've watched, and I've spent a lot of time watching film on him, it doesn't really seem to make that much of any of a difference because he's got such a high motor and plays with such passion. I, I really think he'd be a compliment to the team. Even if he didn't start, I think he'd be great on special teams with his speed and his hit, you know, the way he tracks people down. I think he'd be great on special teams, and I think he could eventually work into the starting role. Well, what I like about him, too, he's also versatile, can play a 3-4 inside linebacker, can play some 4-3, so when the Rams are, are playing with who's on the field with personnel, that he is able to be used in different ways. And... The only thing I think that could be a downside for him, 
besides every every player in this draft, especially fourth, fifth rounders, third rounders, everybody has their weaknesses. So I'm not going to sit there and just call out one weakness. The fact that, you know, as you get older, as you get in your seventh, your eighth, your ninth in your league, just as you age naturally, you're going to lose some of that athleticism. You're going to lose some of that speed. And that's when not having that hand will hurt him. So he might not be a 15-year pro in the league. But he might be a heck of a seven, eight, nine year pro, maybe a ten year pro, and the Rams could use that. Yeah, well, you know, when when people lose one of their, you know, one of their attributes like sight or hearing or something, everything else seems to pick up more. And that guy, that guy's a stud, you know, all the way around. I, I don't see. I mean, he's lived his whole life that way, so it's not like it's something that you know, happened a few years ago and he's still having to get used to it. That's who he is. It's, it's, I, I really think he could be a really good staple on our special teams. And eventually I think he could be a starter for anybody, not just us. Yeah. Yeah. You also mentioned Nuosu from USC. I did. Uh, and when, when we're talking ahead of time, you know, home field for him would be home field still. <laughs> yeah. And that's that's not a bad thing. And he's he's got some talent too. So I'm really curious to see where the Rams go here. If if I'm putting my GM hat on, I'm looking at, you know, who who do I really want and what's the chances I can go after him and actually get him without spending the farm. And if I can if I can move up, you know, maybe early third or or second round to get somebody that I really want, then I'm going to do it. If I can't, then I'm going to make sure I have all my ducks in a row and every pick I have, I'm going to make worth something. But every every team does that. What, what makes this draft a little bit different? Well, you got all the pro bowlers on the team now. So you've got a lot of strength behind potentially weaker players that you're going to have to maybe start. And I, I really think that helps, not hurts, where – you know, our, our needs are glaring. We need offensive line and we need linebackers. And if they did nothing but draft offensive line and linebackers in this draft, it wouldn't hurt my feelings. And you can get some good late talent round uh, people for the offensive line. And you can get some some mid to late round talent at linebacker. Are they going to be starting quality? Probably not. But they may end up starting. <laughs> But that's okay when you got guys like Tlaib and Peters on the outside and Joyner and Johnson in the in the back and a defensive line like, you know, Sue and Brockers and and of course Aaron Donald. I, I really if we're gonna have to be weak somewhere, okay. Linebacker's it. And and of course we have some veteran players on the team too that haven't really been starters, but I think can be starters. So I, you know, I, I think I think we're looking pretty good right now. O- offensively if we didn't draft anything but offensive line for the offense, I wouldn't. My feelings wouldn't be hurt at all. We're just talking about Nuoso. I think he could be a great fit just because of the pass rush off the edge he can provide. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the scouting out there says you know he's not really developed yet. Only had you know only played for two and a half years at USC. Didn't play football until late in his high school career. Yeah, I get that. But that to me tells me there's still a lot of development for him. If he has all the athletic tools and he has half of a brain, which I'm at this point, you know he does, then, you know, you can develop this guy. And who better develop him than Wade Phillips, honestly? Well, and one, one other guy I have – well, you're right. And one other guy I have in mind, too, say in the fourth round, if he falls that far, is Micah Kaiser from Virginia. Again, he's a little bit undersized, but he's a smart player and, and can lay the, lay the wood on you. What I like about him, though, is, is the possible what the Rams need really in the middle of the field is a run stopper, and he can be that run stopper. He'll be a liability in coverage, but you already have coverage in that secondary like you wouldn't believe. Right. He's, and, but, and some folks believe he might make it to the fifth round. If he's available for us in the fourth or fifth round, if he's still there, I, I think we should take him for sure. You, you take him. He could be a starter just based on his run stopping alone. Yep. So, I mean, and he... I- and I think that's probably the safest place to put somebody right now in the Rams defense. If you're going to play a rookie right now, I mean, he may be making the calls. And, and that's okay if he can pick it up quickly because that's what he's been doing. But I think the safest place right now, if you're going to play a rookie at starter on the Rams defense, it's inside linebacker. 
if all he has to worry about is stopping the run and calling the plays, I think he'll be fine. You know, that's what Randall literally needs is, is just somebody to stop that run in the middle. They just need somebody there. And get somebody to do that, it's, we're, this team's going to be very, very good. We know well, they're going to be good. One of the biggest knocks we had against Ogletree was the fact that he couldn't shed blocks. Micah Kaiser can shed blocks. And that's what makes him a better run defender. And I, I think he would be a, an awesome pickup for us in the fourth or fifth round if we can get him there. Get man, put him right there and inside. Yep. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't have great range, so what? If he's inside, if, if he's heading towards that line of scrimmage, that's all you really need. I, the, the Rams, coverage-wise, are going to be able to make up for some of the issues he has as a coverage linebacker. What they need is a run stopper, and he fits the bill. Other, you know, Norm, in that fourth, fifth round, as we're looking through these scouting reports here, it's hard for me to ignore the fact that some really solid players have come late in the draft, not just from the Rams, but other players. Avery Williamson, the guy, guy we believe the Rams would target, eventually signed, I think, with the Jets. Fifth rounder. EJ Gaines had a great year with the Bills this year, a former Ram. He was, what, sixth rounder? Is it sixth rounder? I think so. Okay, Troy Hill, um, later, later. Well, I don't, was, he was a free agent, wasn't he? Yeah, out okay, of order. So you can find these guys. You can find these diamonds in the rough. And this is where we're going to see how good Les Snead really is. We know he can swing a deal. We know that he can make good moves and entice players to come in. We've seen him in past years find those back-end players later in the draft who've been useful. This year's one of those years where we need him to do that. I agree. But that's it. Just I agree. Is that is there something wrong with that? No, you bore me. That's all. <laughs> you just like me to argue with you, and I don't always argue with you. No, no. I mean, I, I'm just thinking of this way. I, I just I'm actually kind of asking you because <laughs> I want to make sure I'm right. I really honestly believe that this is one of those years where you need to have a little bit of magic here because the holes on this roster, there aren't many, but there are big ones. And they well, can be the difference between a Super Bowl and this team falling flat next year. Well, I think Les Snead's already done enough to prove his worth just in free agency alone. But if he can pull off a, a better-than-par draft, then he's he's doing a great job. And I really think... They're gonna they're gonna surprise some people with who they pick, and I think they're gonna pick players that are probably gonna contribute right away. And if they can do that, which I believe they will, I'd say that they're doing a great job. All right, folks. Well, there's more to come from us in terms of our breakdowns. We still haven't gone through offensive line. We still haven't gone through all the edge rushers and linebackers. I have no idea if we even get through all of them. But it's getting late. We're old and cranky, and it's time for us to hit the bricks. Before we go, though, I want to ask you, hey, give us a follow on Twitter, at DC Apollo for me. Norm's at Norm Hightower. Twitter for the entire website is at TalkRams. You can go to RamsTalk.net, where currently we always put our podcast up there. When we get new content, we put that up there as well. We have a lot of history articles in there and so on and so forth. So, hey, uh, check it out. We're on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash RamsTalk. We have a special group because, you know, Facebook just loves to mess with algorithms. We have a group as well. Uh, we post articles and talk a little bit of football in there. That's the Rams Talk Room. We'll be glad to have you. You know, folks, uh, you can't stress it enough. We're grateful for everything. We're grateful for your support. Uh, it's really been a wild ride for us over the years. And, uh, wow, 3,000% growth since September. It's pretty sticking awesome. Very awesome. Thank you. Okay. Well, it, for Norm Hightower, this is Derek C. Apollo. We'll see you soon. Adios. The NBA is back. Where else can you get this type of drama? Where else does history hang from the Raptors? Jalen Brown throws it down. Where else is your own city? Home to your biggest rival. The battle of LA is real, people. And 30 feet is still in range. Hurry, action! Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? Where else is history? Still in the making. Oh my goodness! Where else? The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV.
You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.